friends. Welcome to another episode of Doable Discipleship, a Saddleback Church podcast designed to help you deepen your faith, or as you know, we love to call it, the show that helps you grow. Um, my name is Jason. I'm on the Spiritual Growth Team, and I get to be joined today by Pastor Andy Wood from Echo Church. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's great to be with you, Jason. So Andy is speaking at Saddleback this weekend, um, on the weekend of the 19th and 20th. And so he, he was gracious enough to give us some of his time to uh, talk with us about about his thoughts about spiritual growth and discipleship and about the weekend message too. So um, if you have not heard his weekend message, three good reasons to keep showing up. I encourage you to listen to that. Go online at saddleback.com slash watching. You can listen to the weekend message and then come back because we're going to spend uh, some time in the second half of our conversation talking about his weekend message. But first, Andy, I just wanted to kind of just get a, a sense from you. Our podcast is doable discipleship. So we're always talking about ways that we can be growing spiritually, some things that we can do, some habits that we can start. So I just wanted to ask you, what is a spiritual practice that you have adopted in your life that you have just found particularly life-changing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when I was uh, 13 years old, I was in a middle school ministry just outside of Detroit, Michigan. I had a student pastor named Mike Bonzer. Mm -hmm. And Mike Bonzer, uh, we had <clears throat> Sunday morning church, we had Sunday night church, and Wednesday night church with yeah. the students. And Mike took a group of young guys and he said, I want to teach you how to read the Bible every day and how to journal about it, how to pray and ask God to speak to you and how to apply it to your life. Um, I have such a deep sense of gratitude in my heart for Mike and his willingness to share that with me. Because when I was in sixth, when I was in seventh grade, I should say, um, I remember having this pink, hot pink KOA <laughs> coffee mug. Mm -hmm. And I would, I started sitting at the kitchen table in the house that I grew up in and I started reading the Bible. And, um, honestly that daily practice of spending time with Jesus, I just write in my planner time with Jesus mm. and, um, pretty much every day I'm, I miss maybe one day a week, but every day, um, is my time just to be with God. Um, and to read the, read the Bible, ask God to speak into my life, give me something that I can apply. Um, and that daily practice of really charting out. And, you know, what's interesting is like, I, we always encourage our people when they're new to faith to really try to build into practice about 10 to 15 minutes a day. Yeah. And I, I love what, um, what life church has done with the U version Bible yeah. app, because there's so much there from, you know, studies that you can go through everything that you could think of from anxiety to depression to relationships. There's great resources. And I know Saddleback's put out so many great resources, but there's so much at our fingertips right now that you can download an app and just for 15 minutes a day, start off. And what I think anybody who does this practice daily discovers pretty quickly is that when you, when you connect with God, especially in the morning, first thing, it changes your whole day. It changes your outlook. It changes the way that you interact with people. It changes even your sense of connection with God. You know, the, the, um, the friendship with God that goes from that time. And over time it just, it grows, you know, where, uh, you find yourself wanting to spend an hour a day in that habit. And so that's, a, that's a long winded answer to a daily time with Jesus yeah. 
has been a game changer. And there's different aspects of that, like mini habits within the big habit um, that can be built out. But that one habit has changed my life. Well, and I think you hit on something that's so important, which is mark it down in your calendar, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because it can be so easy for us to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with God every day, you know, and you just say, I have this intention, I'm going to do it. But then, as you said, it can be so easy for us to get distracted by other things or whatnot, or you look, oh, uh, you know, I have this early morning call. I have this free time. I'll just slot that in here. Uh, you know, I, I was going to do my quiet time then, but I can find another time. But if you mark it off in your calendar, if you write it down, you know, it, it becomes that much more intentional of saying, I, I, this is time I am legit setting aside for God. Right. And I, I, and I want to keep that sacred almost, you know, I, you know just saying mm-hmm. that, that this is it. And then, as you said, it's very likely that your time will just start expanding w- without you noticing it. It just becomes natural yeah. and what, so that's great. Um, Pastor Rick has a phrase that he likes to say, he says, his word, first word, his word, last word. He did a yeah. message on this um, a year or so ago. And and um, it's just, it's that same idea that you started with, which was, which is if you start your day with God's word being the first thing that pours into your life, and mm-hmm. if you end your day with God's word being the last thing. So it takes away if it, all of the stuff that went on in your day, all of the stressors of the day or whatever. But if you, you wash it clean almost at the end of the day too with God's word, it just it, mm-hmm. it, it gets your mind and your heart starting the day in the right place and ending the day back in the right place. And I've always loved that mm-hmm. too. Yeah, that's great. You know, a couple other really practical things on this. Um, you know, there are different authors in terms of spiritual formation that uh, I love to read. Um, one is one guy is Eugene Peterson. Sure. I'm sure most most of our listeners are familiar with him. But I like to keep a book like that at the side of like on my bedside table. Sure. Um, and I find that in addition to like kind of connecting with the word of God before I go to sleep, some kind of book that is helping me think about relationship with God. It's like mm-hmm. King David's comments. Like I think of you through the watches of the night that mm-hmm. like that, that meditating, like you like pastor Rick says, first word, last word, whatever you're thinking about as you go to sleep is it's impacting the way that you sleep. Yeah. And, um, so I think there's a beauty in that. One other thing that I would also say, and I'm, I know that you, you talk about this kind of stuff a lot. So, um, for listeners who've heard this before, sure. uh, sometimes repetition is That's the great. mother of <laughs> yeah. learning, right? Uh, I personally find that, um, setting my stuff out before I go to bed yeah. is crucial. So uh, like I'm in my, um, kind of my study right now, and I like to come up and have my journal, my Bible, my, my, the pens that I use, sure. uh, in a certain spot that, that I use. And this is, uh, just a habit. Like, Hey, I, if I'm, if I put that out before I go to bed, I'm going to wake up the next morning and I don't have to make any decisions. There's, there's already expectancy and all the barriers are already removed for me to do the thing that I, I want to do. Yeah, that's great. It's it, it's it, and it gets your heart in that place of creating intention too, which is so good. Pastor Buddy Owens is a teaching pastor here at Saddleback, and he likes to say that he puts his his slippers like underneath his bed so that in the morning when he gets up, he has to get down on his knees in order mm. to reach for the slippers. And while he's down there, 
he opens the day with prayer on his knees like that. And that's why he he's intentional about that. So there are these little tricks, these little things that you can do that as you're just talking about him, you're like, put my slippers under my bed. That seems weird, but okay. But it's, it's about the practice that that can lead to in the, you know, so, right. and again, it takes time. It's a, it takes time and practice. You're, obviously you're going to miss a day. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to be smooth all up front, but over time, as you build that habit, it just, it, be, it becomes a habit. It becomes something that you do. That's just a part of your routine for your spiritual growth practices, which is, which is great. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think one, one key word on this is keeping this in the category of invitation mm-hmm. versus obligation. Sure. And where, you know, where people can really get off in their journey is when I have to do this, it's totally different than when I get to do it. You know, it's like right, right before we, you know, we hopped on our call, mm-hmm. my wife and I had like a little lunch date and we're, we're so busy with three kids right now, but in my mind, it's like, okay, there's a discipline, a habit, but man, I get to be, I get to be with her for lunch for 90 minutes. That's a, there's an invitational element. And when we can, when we can really truly grasp the reality that the God of the universe wants a personal relationship with every single one of us. And when we come to him, anytime that there's redirection or correction, it's from a heart of love Mm. that his, his, his fatherly love for us is available every single day of our lives, that it keeps it in that space. Like this is all the spiritual practices are an invitation to God to experience and to encounter more of his power and his presence in our lives. And I, I just find that for me personally, if I can keep it in that yeah. <laughs> invitation category, it, it's a game changer. Yeah, that's so true. That's great. I, I wanted to ask you too, is there is there a part of the Bible, maybe, I don't know, a passage, a verse, maybe a whole book, I don't know, that you had previously kind of struggled with that you're like, I, I'm, I don't get this, so maybe I'll come back to it later <laughs> or whatever. But that, mm-hmm. but, but in the, but more recently that you may have felt some more clarity on, or perhaps you even now like love that part of the Bible that you're like, I used to, I used to kind of skip past this, but now it's something I just like draw into. Mm, That's a great question. It's a really good question. I would say the, the first book of the Bible that comes to mind for me is the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm, It's one of my favorite books. Yeah. (laughs) I remember reading Ecclesiastes in college and just thinking to myself, like this, this guy that wrote this book of the Bible sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, the way he describes life and death and pain and suffering. But now I'm kind of at that midpoint. So I turned 40 this year mm. and I don't know exactly um, historically what so- like Solomon's age was when he wrote Ecclesiastes, but I could imagine that he was probably somewhere in his forties, you know, like he was in that midlife crisis (laughs) space. And so I re I resonate more with his line of thinking now and how he processed, because at that point he had seen enough of people who Mm. had been successful and there was an emptiness and he had tried things himself and it didn't really satisfy him. So I think understanding all of that now with his conclusion at the end of Ecclesiastes, like to, to experience God, to know God, like that's the, that's the point of life. And that's where satisfaction comes from. I would say that's one, um, you know, Job is another book. I, I do my, um, 
my habit is to read through the Bible in a year and actually sure. call it like read through the Bible in a year and a half. Cause yeah. that's, that's about how <laughs> that's long it takes it, yeah. you to get through. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I, I always want to skip Job. I always, when mm. I get there, I always want to just go right past it. Um, but I, I think that the thing that's really hit me more with the story of Job recently is after watching, like after being in ministry and living long, long enough, you know, I know there's a lot more people who listen to, will listen to this. That's are way more seasoned than like well <laughs> along than I am. But I think you start to see all of the, the misbeliefs that people have about suffering mm. And you see all these fools that show up in, in Job's life trying to console him and correct him and, you know, from different angles. And so this, like this year when I read through it, um, I really did, I felt like I connected with it a little bit more because I was like, my prayer going through the book of Job this time was God, help me, help me never be one of these friends. Help Mm -hmm. me never be one of these guys that um, look at other people's suffering and come up with some criticism about what they're walking through yeah. with the brokenness of this world. Yeah, that's so good. When I think about Job, um, it's one of my favorite books to think about when I think about this picture of God where he's like, he's like, okay, Job, I've heard all this whining that you've been doing. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> were you there yeah. when I was making the foundations of the earth? No, I don't think so. So who are you? And just his, a God's rant by Job is, is one of my favorite chapters. Or I think it's a couple chapters. It's just, it, 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 it puts that reminder to me always of like, okay, yes, God is God. I am not. I get, okay. I can always, I, I can go back to this place of, of understanding. Okay. God, you have ways and reasons well beyond me. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I have to remember my place as somebody who you love, who you made, but I am a creature that you made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even though I, even so though good. I am loved and beloved, I am not, I am a creature still. Um, but yeah, Job and Ecclesiastes both like agree. I, I, I bet you, I bet you a majority of the people who are listening to this think I was going to say Ecclesiastes. That's a great, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wanted so to good. You yeah. know the other yeah please yeah the other thing that I was going to say about one of the, one of the important aspects of our journey of reading the Bible is the realization that you know God has given this incredible book that that is the authority of our lives that He yeah. breathed into that um, is is useful to train, to correct, to rebuke, Mm -hmm. to inspire, to encourage. And one of the things that, you know, we're, we're in the San Francisco Bay area. You guys are in, you know, a lot of your campuses are in Southern California and there's so many, so much that is coming at us from our, from our culture and the culture is never the enemy, right? The, the biggest challenge that we face is Christians who are getting confused. And one of the things that we, we just have been talking a lot about, in our church and in our te- in in my teaching, I've kind of been coming back to this, like that whenever God and I disagree, God is always right. <laughs> like there's, and the times in my life when I thought that I was right later, I could see clearly that yeah. I was wrong. God, God was right. And to, I think that that's the other thing that allows the Bible to come alive more and more over time mm. Is if a follower of Jesus reads the Bible, even though I might have questions and don't understand, and sometimes there is confusion, 
I can lean into that and bring that to God. But I also, like you were saying with, with God and Job, I always want to read the Bible from that posture of humility Mm -hmm. to know, like, I'm not, I'm not actually the one that's critiquing or reading the Bible. The Bible's <laughs> really critiquing and reading me. Yeah, that th- I think that I think that's such a good idea, and pr- probably something that we don't even think about or or recognize that we may do. But if you really, mm-hmm. if you think about it, there's probably times where you read the Bible and be like, <laughs> okay, like well, I could have said that better, or eh, like mm-hmm. I I, I kind of believe that, whatever. If if we're truly honest and genuine with how we think about things and process things. I'm sure that there is times where we read the Bible and go like, well, I'm sure that was nice back then or like, you know, kind of thing. And, but, but as you said, if we, if, if we catch ourselves and realize, um, I'm, I, I'm critiquing God's word here. I'm critiquing God's inspired word that he knew I would be reading this day, even back when the authors were writing this stuff. Right. Um, Like it it puts that perspective back in the proper place of like, okay, maybe I need to reread that passage again and kind of say, okay, what was God's heart in this part? Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's great. I'm curious. I wanted to ask you, Andy, how, how has your understanding of a discipleship either changed or grown in in Mm -hmm. the last, in the last, I don't know, five years or so like that. Just, just in the last recent time. Yeah. That's great. There, there's one big um, meta narrative kind of um, insight that has really been helping me. As I like, kind of have been reading the Bible. One thing that I've been struck by is that discipleship can really, in a lot of ways, be boiled down to three major motifs. Mm. Um, one is that discipleship is a journey. Mm-hmm. Two is that discipleship is a race. And four or, th- or three, excuse me, yeah. I'm not very good at math, but um, <laughs> three, three is that discipleship is a war. So as followers of Jesus, we're in a journey, um, we're in a race, and we're in a war. And that war is not flesh and blood, it's the, and there's humans are not the enemy, but there is a spiritual battle for the hearts of humanity to know and experience the love of Jesus. And understanding that at any given season, you know, every person has a natural tendency that they lean into. Like some people are more race. Some people are more, you know, they like a backpack and the scenery and other people are much more, you know, they're, they're, they're ready to, to go to battle. Yeah. But the comprehensive nature of all three of those working together and knowing that God, God constantly has me in certain areas of my life where, where I'm on this slow journey and he's trying to cultivate things inside of me. You know, I'm, my kids are 15, 13 and eight. So you're right in the thick of it. (laughs) Yes. And if you had told me, um, when I first got married, that parenting would be as challenging as it, as it's been. And I love my three kids dearly, but it has been one of God's greatest tools to form and shape me and daily remind me of my need for grace and uh, the propensity to fail over and over again with impatience and all of that. That's a journey. That's a, that's a decade type journey. But in our church, we're in a season where, you know, we're, we're right now marching up to Easter and we're praying and there's a, there's a almost like a race aspect of that. And then there are people and then there are times in our lives where there are places where maybe we're in bondage and um, God really wants to help us get free. And that's, there's almost like a war aspect to that. Those, those motifs 
have really helped me to frame out what God is trying to do inside of me. That's yeah. I, I, I completely resonate with that. I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old and another on the way. And, um, everything that you were saying <laughs> about those feelings towards patience and growth and understanding and loving unconditionally, that is, that is all a part of that, <laughs> of that process. I, I get that. I get that. And that is so true. A journey, a race and, and a war. So th- mm-hmm. that's something for, for our listeners to be thinking about how, how, what kind of season of that are you in right now? Are you in a season where mm-hmm. you're thinking about, about your spiritual growth and your walk with Jesus as a journey together, um, where you're just really soaking in his goodness, spending mm-hmm. time walking through his word or spending time just in these deep prayers. Are you thinking about it as, as, a race as something that you are that that you have something that you are striving for, moving forward mm-hmm. with, in your mm-hmm. spiritual walk, or is or are you at a season of war right now? And that and that's quite possible too. Is there something where you are going to battle with God on right now? I should mm-hmm. battle with God against the enemy. I want to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Not, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that that's so true, and it, it's something good to be thinking about right now. I wanted to yeah yeah oh, go ahead. Is there something you want, else you want to say about that, Andy? I wanted to switch gears a little bit then and and talk about the weekend message that you just shared with us. And it, it's perfect because you were talking about Ecclesiastes earlier, which has a lot to do with seasons. We just talked a little about a bit uh, about these seasons of spiritual growth that we might find ourselves in. And in this weekend message, you talk a lot about seasons. So I just wanted to ask mm-hmm. you. What are some ways, some practical ways, some doable ways, if you will, to keep our our namesake alive here on the podcast? Well, what are some ways that people can reorient their perspective to see things as seasons rather than mm-hmm. to focus on the idea of a permanence? Like this thing is never mm-hmm. gonna go away. I'm always gonna throw it. This is always gonna be a thing. But as you talked about it, in your message, it's helpful to think about things as happening in seasons. Right. Yeah. One of the lines that I use in the message is that it might feel pervasive, but it's never permanent. Yeah. And um, part of that insight can come as we look back. So we look back and we think about some things that when we were in them, we thought that there was no way that we would ever get out. We thought there was no way that we would ever get through. And when I look back and I see the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God, the nearness of God in the midst of the greatest struggles in my life in the past, it gives me hope to keep putting my feet on the ground, one foot in front of the other as I look to the future. Uh, there's, a, there's a great practice of just stopping, grabbing a journal. This is something you can do in your daily time alone with God. This is something you can do at the end of the day. But just to, to write down some of the places in your life where you've seen God come through for you. Like, what what did God do? There, there are only God moments in every one of our lives. There are people that maybe God put in your life at the right moment, and if they had not come through, or there was a door that God opened for you, or maybe there was a time where God just continued to give you this, like, super bionic level of strength that you didn't know where it was coming from. And it was the Holy spirit empowering you to keep doing what God wanted you to do. I I find so much um, joy and strength 
when I meditate on the faithfulness of God in my past. I would also say another encouraging thing that you can do very practically is to find people who've gone through what you're going through. Mm. So when you sit down and let me put a preface around this as well. Um, I would also add joyfully and faithfully and not, not that it wasn't hard for them or they didn't have difficult moments and there weren't times that they wanted to quit. But there are some people, I think pastor Rick is the one that originally said this. Some people get bitter and some people get better. Yeah. And um, there are people who've gone through what we're going through or what you're going through and they've gotten better over time. I love to be in relationship and in conversation. And most people that we know, you know, like one of the, there's a few things, for example, really practically for us as a family, we've adopted, we adopted a child from Ethiopia that has its own unique set of challenges. Mm. Um, we have a, you know, we have a child that's on the spectrum. We, uh, we had some season, a season in our life where we struggled with infertility. Mm. Every one of those painful seasons of our lives, not only did God get us through, but when he got us through, he redeemed that pain to help other people who were walking through that same pain that we went through. Yeah. And when you're in the middle of it, there that's the beauty of the, the body of Christ is that there are people all around us. And Saddleback is one of these churches, multi-generational, multi-ethnic, mm-hmm. multi-seasonal, that if I can be even in a, in a small group with somebody yeah. that's gone through what I'm going through and just how did God get you through? How did you get through and let them speak life into you to, to tell you like you're going to get through it? Okay, one more. I know yeah, you please. long no, answer. please. The, the other, the other thing is that when you're, when you're in a season of trial and I would venture to say, we're pretty much always in some form of a trial, but when you're in a difficult season, one of the most life giving things that you can do is to find somebody else that you can help. Who's going through a difficult season as well. And there, there's something about our discipleship journey that, that the, what the enemy wants to do is to get us to lose sight of the goodness of God. Mm. He wants us to lose sight of the people around us. But there's something that happens for me personally when I even force myself, like it might be sending encouraging text or grabbing a cup of coffee with somebody who's going through a difficult time. It just, it's like the best way to get through a crisis is to care for somebody else. Um, And I would just say, that helps you in any season. Those, those practical things can help in any season of life. I wanted to go back to, to the first point that you were saying in this, because it's something that, that keeps coming up in conversations that we've been having with different um, speakers and pastors. And that's the, on, on the idea of journaling. You mentioned this earlier too, when you were talking about spiritual habits that you've adopted and whatnot. I think what, I think a lot of people think about, journaling and think, well, I'm not too interested in that, or that doesn't sound like me. But I think, I I think there's probably a ton of the pastors that I've talked with mention how important a journaling is in their Mm -hmm. life. And so what is it for you about the practice of journaling that you find so rewarding, um, so, so important as you're thinking about your time with God or your spiritual growth or whatnot? Yeah. It's a great question. When there, there's something that happens when you have to put on paper what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And there's also a vulnerability and a freedom that you have with your own journal yeah. that maybe you don't have in other contexts. 
And, you know, I think when you read through so much of what David wrote in the Psalms, you see like th- this is his journal before God of expressing his struggle and praying and asking God to help him and be a rock and redeem his pain and all of these things that, so I find that, that there, there's something that happens internally where when I put it on paper, I start to see more clearly. I, I start to think more clearly and it really does help me kind of articulate what's going on in a deeper, deeper place. So I think that the awareness, like a a deeper awareness of what God is doing inside of me is one of the most important aspects of discipleship. So when, when you can see, okay, this is where God is at work. There's deep waters inside of every human Mm -hmm. where the spirit of God is at work, trying to form and shape us into the image of Jesus, that when I can set aside time and start to journal, it allows me to get into those deep places and, and bring to the surface what God is trying to cultivate in my character. That that's so good. So I yeah, I would encourage people if you've kind of thought about it but kind of been on the brain, haven't really gotten into it, give it a try. And we actually have a, have a resource that we'll put in the show notes. It's a journaling retreat that kind of teaches you how to journal. It's something that we do um, at our retreat center, but we also have a self guided version of it available too. So we'll put the link to that self guided version in the show notes too. And again, what's the harm in giving it a try? It may be something that you end up really enjoying that practice and it becomes a big part um, of your daily quiet time, um, of your time with God. So I encourage you to give that a try. I wanted to ask you, Andy, another question about the message. You talked a little bit about sometimes we feel like we're in these seasons that are going really fast and we just feel like we might be missing out on things or it's just, we wrestle with the idea of, of how do I keep this time from going too fast? So I wanted to, to ask you a little bit about what are some ways that we could, um, uh, that people could think about slowing time down? That's really good. Perhaps one aspect of this could be the the discipline or the habit of creating sacred spaces mm-hmm. and to say not just physically but time you know that was the abraham heschel wrote this great book i don't know if you've ever read it called sabbath mm-hmm. and uh he's a he was a jewish rabbi um not a follower of jesus but but the very very good um kind of unpacking of the Sabbath. And one of the things he talks about is how the Sabbath is this intersection of space and time. And that when you carve out that space, it's a sacred space that God actually has carved out. Mm -hmm. So I would say finding time that things cannot interrupt, you know, whether it's work can't get into this space, but it's a, it's a relational time with God. It's a relational time with others Um, But to be really honest with you, I struggle slowing myself (laughs) down. So um, I find that I have to have finish lines to things. Mm. So I have to have a finish line to my day. I have to have a finish line to my week. And those finish lines help me contain because if I'm not careful, um, my work, I love what I do. I love the local church. I love leadership. I love seeing people's lives changed by Jesus. So I can give so much energy to that, but I have to declare a finish line 
because there's a, there's a part of what I do with my family and discipling my kids and pouring into them that is just as important as this other thing. And so, you know, if there's not space that is dedicated intentionally to that, then what I do vocationally can crowd everything else. That's such an important idea too. And I I would encourage people too, if we're talking about kind of some ways to slow time down, our tendency is to, is to overcrowd our calendars. It's to go from one thing to the next, to the next. And you're just always in transit. You're always going from one thing to another or, or whatever. But if we, if we tried to be a little bit more intentional about keeping some buffer rooms on our calendar, and so that you have some time beforehand and afterwards. For example, if you are taking your kid to baseball practice and and then you have some other plans a little bit later that night, if you create some room on the front side, then it gives you that ability on the front end to talk a little bit about what's going to be happening at baseball, ask them what they're thinking about it. Is there stuff that you've been working on kind of stuff? Or then on the after side, on the back end, it gives you some time to debrief that kind of stuff. And so that time then, even though it feels like it's so fast, it's 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 still it's it slows down where it gives you the opportunity to decompress things too. Um, yeah. With two small kids, I, that's something that we're having to think about too. Is uh, okay. Is how are how are we doing at at, at talking with? with our kids or talking with our spouse or talking with our af- after and before different things. Cause that makes that time extend. It feels like we're right. extending out that time, even though it's still the same hours or minutes or whatever. It's still, it feels like we've almost gained more because we're able to have those conversations in times to talk before and after kind of thing. So that's just the thought yeah, of what really I've been good, going Jason. through. <laughs> yeah. I love what you're saying. You're exactly right. That the whole margin side of things, um, when when you're rushing, rushing, and then your anxiety is up, your heart rate is up, you're 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 less functioning from a place of peace, um, and then the relationships all suffer. But with that yeah. margin, it really does create the buffer that allows allows you to enter into that space um, in a different frame of mind and a different frame of heart. That's yeah. really good. Yeah, that's so true. We always like to end our podcast with guests by asking, is there some, is, are, are there some books that you've read recently or podcasts that you've listened to that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have just recently been reading a great book. It's called ego. Okay. Um, or ego is the enemy. Sorry. Okay. And, it's by Ryan holiday. Um, and that's, that book has been really challenging to me. Um, another book that if, uh, people haven't read it before, that's super helpful. And there's so many spiritual implications, uh, is the book atomic habits. Yeah. And, uh, that deals with how do you put healthy habits in place in your life? Um, another book that has been really helpful for me, uh, this year is a book called the gap and the gain. And it's about thinking of your life through the lens of uh, the, the gains that you make versus always the gaps that are there. Oh, interesting. Um, all, yeah, all three of those books, um, none of them are explicitly Christian books, but they're all the message. The message of all those books really do, uh, do help with our journey spiritually. 
um, for those listeners who are really into leadership, um, I just recently read a great book called The Road Less Stupid, and it's about <laughs> making better decisions for leaders. And then, okay, That's I'll give cool. one more. I'm, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm just going here. Please. Um, this book, since this is since we're actually talking about spiritual formation, yeah. there's two authors this year that have really been um, super helpful for me personally. Um, one is this guy named Michael Heiser. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, he's a theologian, but he, he's written a couple of really good books on, um, kind of that stuff we were talking about with this spiritual warfare and the reality of that. And that it's not just flesh and blood, but it's super, this one supernatural is more the one for dummies. I picked up the really big, thick one (laughs) and I had to get the, I had to get the one for dummies. Um, and then there's another one that I found to be super helpful. I did a whole teaching series on prayer earlier this year and this book called Calling on the Name of the Lord okay. by J. Gary Miller. And that one specifically, he just goes through the concept of prayer in the Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation and wow. where, where prayer shows up and what was God's purpose with prayer and how prayer was actually asking God to fulfill the things that God has already said that he, he wants to do. Yeah. And it's like basically asking God to, to carry out his purposes here on planet mm-hmm. Earth. Um, so yeah, great. that's the, those are all, those are all great books that have helped me a ton in the last few months here. That sounds awesome. So we will put the links to all of those books in the show notes as, as well. Also make sure to check out the echo leadership podcast with Andy Wood is, is the name is the full title of the podcast. It's, it's a monthly podcast. How long has that one been going on, Andy? We've been doing it almost two years now. Awesome. We started it, uh, during the pandemic and, uh, have just kept it rolling. What's been your biggest takeaway for since launching that podcast? Mm, podcasts are a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest that that is true. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you for all that you do to help people every single week. I mean, I only do it once a month uh, and you do it once a week. So that's a, that's a major undertaking. So I know that there's so many people who are so grateful for your leadership and all of this. Um, and I would say probably the the thing that has been really helpful for, for me personally um, is just being in dialogue with other people who are thinking about leadership and then yeah. having to create leadership content. Um, both sides of that have been really good to force me and challenge me to grow. Um, but also, you know, it's been great. It's been a really good resource for our church, for people who are interested in leadership. Uh, just to have something that they can leverage in their places of work or in their families to be able to focus on leading at a higher level. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Andy, I, I I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for being here. I, I, I and thanks for speaking this weekend at Saddleback too. Um, I'll always love having you out, and I, I hope that we get to talk again sometime. I I love that. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your ministry. Um, I know that you know this, but Saddleback um, has made an impact on churches and leaders and people all over the world. And um, I particularly have been changed because the ministry of Pastor Rick and Kay and their faithfulness and what you guys have done, the the work that you guys are doing. Um, Our church would not exist the way that it does um, without you guys. And there are literally thousands of people in the San Francisco Bay Area that have been changed because of the ministry 
of this church. So thank you for your investment in me. And thank you for the privilege of being a part of what God is doing through this incredible church. We loved having you. And for our listeners, we will be back uh, with our t- with our, our usual Tuesday episode uh, in just a couple days. So friends, we love you. And uh, we will talk with you again on Tuesday. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week